0: Aren't these days great? Yes. (laughs) Crisp, crisp winter days. Wonderful, wonderful times, but they they create such such amazing days that we get to enjoy. You enjoying church this morning? Yes. It's a good day, isn't it? God's up to some stuff. I love the way that that willingness to believe for the supernatural to happen actually in our own lives is growing within us. If you've got your Bibles... Um, Turn up Galatians chapter 5. I want to finish off this series that I have and make sure you have a look at the title I've given things today. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now to those days, the moment yoke was mentioned, yoke of slavery, Everyone would have known that's the law. That's what it was called when when someone uh, became a disciple in the Old Testament way, um, they took on the yoke. Don't don't get um, burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man or woman, or every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You, are trying to be justified by the, you who are trying to be justified by the law have, are, have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Yeah. And that's an absolutely secure hope. It's not the English definition of hope. It's the absolutely will happen is, yeah. what, is what the Greek means. Good. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works throughout the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who's throwing you into confusion, whoever they may be, that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, though, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. (laughs) You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, You are not under the law. The acts of the flesh, well, they're obvious things. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. All three of those have to do with sex. Idolatry and witchcraft, religion. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, meaning drunken parties, drinking parties, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. On to Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, you who live by the Spirit, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, but gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something, uh, something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. I like that verse. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or a woman reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Mm. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are fellow believers. You know, all of this book is about the gospel. All of it is this book of Galatians is explaining what the good news is and means. It's an amazing book. And I want to try and take this morning um, those verses and unpack them for us so that we can, so that we can know what they're actually saying. Good. Let's just pray. Lord, I want to release your Holy Spirit. Invite your Holy Spirit and say, God, we, we need revelation. We need more than words. We need the touch of you in our hearts and in our minds that we might understand, that we might live this. In Jesus' name I ask, be released upon us, Holy Spirit. Bring revelation so that we might know. Amen. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom Christ has set us free. If you want two verses in the Bible, one's already been quoted. Paul, Paul quoted it when he prayed about, um, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ living in me. That's a a hinge verse. It's so much of the meaning of what Galatians is about. The next one is Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It's for freedom. Christ has set us free. Now, I wonder whether you're surprised that the gospel... I wonder if you're surprised that the work of the church is called freedom. (laughs) Freedom. I wonder whether that's your experience. Have you found freedom? Or... Do you more think of the gospel as rules? Because if you're thinking it of that, you've missed the point of what the gospel is about, Paul would say. It's about freedom. Yeah, good. We're free from guilt, beautifully brought out by Graham today. We have free access to the throne room 24 7, it never closes to us. We have freedom from performance. We no longer have to have to hope that we're doing well enough that God will think we're okay. Do you remember when your parents when, when you when you got offside with your parents? Yeah. And and do you remember how you what you would have to do to get back onside with your parents? And how you'd have to kind of grease and, and you'd apologize and you'd apologize and if one of your parents was sulky, you'd have to you'd have to prove that you were good enough and you'd have to be nice to your sister. All day, or maybe for a week, so until you got back into the good books with your parents. And then we've got this Father God. How do we get on side with Him? And so many people think they've got to grease and be nice and show that they're good enough. And we're freed from that. God says, you're accepted. Absolutely as you are. In fact, because of Jesus Christ, you're flawless. I accept you, we've got 24-hour access to God, and you know what? We've got instant access to Him just after, or just in the middle of our worst sins. He doesn't close the door. It's freedom. We're freedom, free from performance. We're free to love, because, because we're love. And, and you know, here's the, here's the most interesting thing it's on there. We're we're given freedom to be self-governing of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'll try and explain that as we go along. You know, there's two ways to be right with God and to get to heaven. And, and Paul uses the illustration of athletics, which is kind of good because, you know, we've been talking about the Rio Olympics, right? And, and he says, you're running the race in verse 7. And the first way to be good enough with God, and many, many people run this track. And like, we've got a track here. And it's like people are running on the track to God. And they're trying to, to actually be God by by being good enough. And They say there's about 7 billion people on the planet, and in one form or another, 7 billion people on the planet are trying to be good enough because they know and have a sense in their heart that they're not good enough, and they're running on this track to try and be good enough. And they tell us that there's probably been about 7 billion people in history. So 14 billion people have been running on this track to try and be good enough to get to God. And no one's made it. Not one person. Because the Bible says if you want to take that track, all you've got to do is be perfect. And if you're anything less than perfect, you'll run your life thinking, I hope I'm good enough, I hope I'll make that that tape at the end, and you won't. It's not a good track. But there's a second way to be good enough, to, to be able to have a right relationship with God and to be able to receive heaven. And it's a really simple track. It's another track. It's heading actually in a different direction to that track. That one looks as if it's going to God, but it doesn't. Mm. But this one gives an absolutely perfect relationship with God and we get heaven as a guaranteed thing to us. Yeah. Good. And that is simply to believe and trust that Jesus is God and that on the cross he took the punishment for my sin and he lovingly pronounces absolutely forgiven across the forehead of every single Christian. And you can run this track, trusting Jesus, and you know what? This track has got nothing to do with me and it's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with how you live. It's got nothing to do with whether you're good enough or not. It's all about whether you trust Jesus. And you know... Some people had come from James and they'd said, look, believing in Jesus and running on this track's good. And all the Galatians have been running on this uh, track in the Olympics. they have been going down here. And he says, someone came in, cut them off and bumped them out of the race. And what these people that had come from James, and this is what Paul's been arguing all the way through. Get this. It's about trust that, that Jesus on the cross did everything everything, and if we will believe that and trust that, and not trust our, our extra little bits of goodness as well, because these people from James said, hey, look, it's good to believe in Jesus, but you got to live a pretty good life as well you've got to add some lore into it and he was saying, the people from James were saying there's a third track and it's right in between these ones and all you need to do is have jesus and there'll be a way to run through and and James and Paul is saying there's no third track there's no place for trusting Jesus and having a bit of trust in ourselves. He says, if you get circumcised, you get bumped all the way to track number one. And you are now in the state where it's all up to you, and you have to live perfect if you're on this track. Jesus will never share his glory with anybody. It's all about Jesus. It's about trusting him. And the amazing thing he says circumcision or uncircumcision, being good or being bad, if you are in Christ and you're trusting Him, you're on this track to heaven. And it's so radical. Pastors tend to say, we better add a little bit of law to that. People will go and do all sorts of crazy stuff with their lives if they believe that all they have to do is believe and run this track. And so they'll add some some law in there. And they'll say, yes, but if you sin, you'll be no longer in the kingdom. And because you're no longer in the kingdom, if you die before you repent, where are you going to go? And they add a little bit of fear into all the Christians that are there. But the Bible says... All of our sin, past, present, and future, is forgiven. Yeah. And if we will believe Jesus has done that, and, he will, and that he sees us as, as perfect, and we've gone through four or five messages, four messages explaining how we're to live this way, and it's what dethrones sin in our life. Yeah. When we bring sin into, into our trust in Jesus, we, have to, we lose Jesus completely. We're totally away from grace. You know, in chapter 1, Paul just introduces himself. And remember, I explained that he just launches into them. I am astounded that you have left Christ. What are you doing? In chapter 3, he says, you foolish people. Why have you moved away from trusting the track that Jesus came to bring by adding law to it? In chapter 5, he hasn't dialed down. He still is worked up. Usually, if you go into a confrontational meeting with someone, it's a bit heated, but it will dial down with good plan and good management. But Paul's still dialed up. And he's still saying the same thing. And the image he uses to explain this is a bit borderline. I want to say, it's illustrated by the three C's. The first C is I have a beautiful daughter called Chloe. The second C is that about two years ago, she bought a cat. And the third C has to do with an operation that cat had to get. Because as the cat grew older to about six or nine months old, he started staying out all night. And when he came back in the morning, he had a certain look. He just looked like he'd had all the cream and he would lick himself and he would settle in the sun and he just looked like he was thinking about tonight (laughs) and the next time out. And so we took him to the vet to get that operation beginning with C. And Paul is using this as an illustration. And when the cat came home, the cat didn't like the vet and the cat didn't like Chloe. And the cat didn't like me. And the cat was in a bad mood for a long time. And Paul is saying, I wish these people who are talking about circumcision, because that was just the thin end of the wedge. Once they got Christians, and they came from the sect of the Pharisees, they'd genuinely gotten saved, it would seem, but they... They were ex-Pharisees, and so they've been raised in this, yes, but we must, we must, we must, we must, we must to be right with God, to have a good relationship. We must believe in Jesus, but we've got to add some law in there. They didn't add all the law because they couldn't keep it, but they wanted to start with circumcision. And Paul says, I wish when they get their knife out, they would go the ho- and slip and <laughs> all the men are knowing what I'm talking about. And he's, he's so stirred up because this is the gospel. The gospel is totally being threatened. If we want to think that the stuff we do that's good is enough, you know, adds to what Jesus did and helps us to get saved, we lose Jesus. We lose grace. We lose salvation. That's what he's saying. Because it's all about Jesus. He says, In Christ, neither being good nor being bad has any value. Because you're in Christ. Mm. It's an amazing, amazing truth. But there's a problem. Because many people, when they first hear this, they think, well, I can go out and do whatever I like. If I'm completely forgiven, in fact, in Romans the people said, we might as well sin more because God's grace comes, and that's actually given God an opportunity to look good. Paul goes, no, you haven't got it. Jesus never leads us to go and sin more. But many people, when they first hear it, they think, well, I can just do what I want. And the true gospel, at first glance, seems to remove all incentive from us to live a holy life. Why should we bother? It's actually hard to live a holy life. Why should we? Why should we take the time? And this freedom language can can so easily be misunderstood. But you see, there's no greasy grace. There's no, God has not set up something that just means you can go and simmer however you want, and He'll forgive, and He'll forgive. He's already forgiven. You know. There's a need for repentance. Repentance means to change our mind. It also comes from our heart. That's on our side. Remember I said, pastors will often say you're actually out of the kingdom. No, you're not if you sin. Because there's a real problem. It's okay for us to say to someone who's not yet a Christian, you can be forgiven of everything. But what about us that are Christians and keep on sinning? What happens then? Do we get bumped out of the kingdom? Now you're in, now you're out, now you're in, now you're out. No, not at all repentance is on our side is coming to that state of, of agreeing with God and and often from our heart we're we're just broken by things that we've done in our lives as Christians and we go oh God thank you for forgiveness we don't need to say please forgive me the Bible says we are forgiven but we have to agree with him and that's where the repentance is on our side but from God there's no condemnation We have total access. He's told the angels, if John Elp turns up at any time of the day, no matter how nice or how absolutely covered in muck he looks, give him access. The angels have been told that about me and told that about you. That's the freedom. But it's all about, and we need that access, because one of the reasons God has done this is that he values freedom. He values, values, values freedom. You know, for many, many years, I've I've thought to myself, why doesn't God take my old nature away, what the Bible calls the flesh? And because what it's saying here is that there comes a battleground for Christians between the flesh and what it wants to do. And it has desires, and they're all wrong, but we like them. They give us some form of pleasure, reward. And what the Spirit wants us to do. But you know, if God took the old nature out of us, it's been crucified, it has been dealt with by Christ on the cross, but it says we have to agree with that and reckon it to be that and then live in the new nature. I'm speaking out of Romans, not out of the passage I'm I'm preaching on, but but. We need to do that. But, you know, if God took that away from every one of us, he would be taking our freedom away. For God to truly give mankind freedom, he has to give man the potential to do the right thing or the wrong thing. To do the right thing or the wrong thing. To do the right thing or the wrong thing. And when we choose, we have genuine freedom. And Jesus says, you have freedom to do the wrong thing or the right thing, but I want you to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. These desires are within every, every single one of us. And, and he says in verse 19, these are, the, these are the things that the flesh will lead you into, and the first three are all to do with sex, uh, sexual problems. It's a major problem in our, in our fallenness as human beings. And then there's... That whole other list of things that you get into. And in the next verse, I think it's verse 20 in in chapter uh, 5, he says (laughs) um, something. (laughs) He says those that live this way, they're not Christians. He says there's no heaven for people that accept a lifestyle of this which is very and all the commentators all the theologians down down since the bible was written have said actually we understand this to mean those who have just just given up and said i'm just going to have a lifestyle of these kind of things happening in my life and i'm going to pretend that that i'm still a christian and and paul says really clearly that's 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 not, a, that's not how a Christian operates because there's a circle thing here that, that goes that if we truly give our lives to Jesus Christ by faith and run this race, things start to start to happen around our life. We start to take on the sin that, that besets us as human beings. We start to challenge it. We start to go into this battle situation. We start also to serve. And that's why he says, examine yourself. Have you got the fruit of this happening in your life? Because if you haven't, you have to go back to the very beginning. Very different from those who who, uh, fall back occasionally into something that's had a grip on them from their past. But in their hearts, they're saying, oh God, I don't want to be in this situation. I want your purity. I want your love. I want you to lead me into into holiness, God. Mm -hmm. Hugely, hugely different. And God in his wisdom has has decided that we need to learn to control ourselves. I see Jenny nodding. We need to learn to control ourselves. He's not interested in making us a robot. If he took the ability for us to do wrong out of us, he would be taking us towards robotic, not truly human with self-governing ability in our lives. And one of the things that teaches anyone from children through to 90-something-year-old adults is consequences. And God has allowed us to face consequences and this is what he goes on to talk about the hard truth is that we develop godly character by battling and verse 13 tells us that we have two internal voices two internal vo- internal desires and he says do not can you say do not do not do not use your freedom to give expression to your flesh the wrong desires Don't do that. In fact, he says, when those come, crucify them. Crucifixion's not nice. We all want what the flesh says to us we need. But crucifixion is what we have to do to those desires. We're not to live them out. You know, there are grace grace teachers, um, when I say grace teachers, who mistakenly teach that Christians aren't required to obey the moral law. Theologically, that's called antinomianism, um, which is the Greek word, two Greek words, one meaning anti-law. It means lawlessness, antinomianism. It was coined by Martin Luther. He he started this term. And and such a person, such a teacher would imply, because no pastor would ever say it, but they would imply that it's okay to sleep with your girlfriend Um, to have promiscuous sex, to get drunk, to tell lies, etc. Because you can just be forgiven. But it's not true. Verse 19, as I said, paints the picture. Verse 21 makes it clear that people who do that as a lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. But it is very different to someone who falls back into things that had a grip on them in their past. And occasionally sins, but is trying their best to step in and stay in the fruit of righteousness, the, fruit, the following the ways of the Spirit instead of the ways of the flesh. So the gospel introduces us to a concept of a transition time that lasts for. Just say how old you are, very quietly under your breath. Yeah, too. <laughs> The transition time has lasted that long for you now. It's still going to last until you pass from this earth. It's a time where we get to learn to make good choices. Now, this isn't good news for people who just want to get prayed for and just this kind of situation. But this is normal Christianity. The flesh wants to go one way and the spirit the other. And we genuinely have a choice to choose, and every one of us battles. And this is why we need to know that we are loved and we are welcomed by the Father through Jesus, completely independently of whether we're winning or losing battles. And there's no condemnation from Him when we come to Him and receive that forgiveness over our lives and say, God, I'm with you, not with what, what is just, I've just thought or I've just said or I've just done. And without His help, without His power, without His word to us, we would lose way too many battles. Mm. And the more we learn to cooperate with the Spirit, the more awesome the fruit of love, those nine qualities, actually grow within our character. Mm. Right. And probably the last thing I want to, want to say is that there is a natural consequence called sowing and reaping. And as, as you look at your life, You might ask, how did I get here? Now, I don't mean how you got to church today. I know how you probably got to church today. But how did you get to be this person, to be where you are in your life right now? And verse 7 of chapter 6 tells us, you got there because you sowed. And if you've been sowing negative things constantly into your life, then inside of you there's a whole cesspit of stuff that's powerful and strong. Or you've been sowing positive seed into your life by doing what the, the 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 spirit is speaking to us what is written on our heart of the right way to live and mostly we are where we are right now because of us because of how we sowed yesterday and last week and last year into our life it has brought us to be the person that we've become are you with me And it's mostly us that are responsible for where we're at, not God. Now, God has a part to play in it, but most of it is us. A friend of mine was a pastor, and now he cleans cars for a living. He gets to work maybe a couple of afternoons a week. His reputation, his income, his family are in absolute tatters because he was found to be living a lie. He'd been involved in three years of adultery. And he would have reached a point in his life after it had all come out where he'd say, how did I get to this place? And the answer is he sowed. He sowed negatively into his own life. And the Bible is really clear. It says, don't be deceived. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. But if we will sow to the Spirit, we will get a better and a better and a better life and eternity with it. So Paul, at an end of a book that's telling us the amaz- of the amazing kindness of Jesus Christ, of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that He justifies us, that He sees us as flawless because of our faith in what Jesus accomplished on the cross, But then he tells us our behavior still counts. We are not simply free to live and do whatever we want. Paul tells us we must battle for the good things within ourselves and crucify the bad things, not allow them to be outworked. So wherever you are on this journey of faith, God is your friend. And he has an open doorway to you. He will not condemn you or stop loving you. And you and I need that because the battle for our integrity and our growth in Christ is strong and fierce at times. Long and fierce at at times. And he wants you and I to grow up, to transition. And God growth is slow. Those qualities of love? They're slow, but they're absolutely unstoppable. Every time we choose God's way, we're growing something. It's developing into our character. If you've been sowing bad stuff into your life, you can change what you sow. You can change your future just by battling within you for the good things you know you should do. And what you become in the years ahead in Christ... Depends on what you and I choose to sow. And verses 1 to 3 of chapter 6 tells us that at times we actually need the help of some real good friends around us to help us and to support us to be able to break out of the addictions that are in our lives and help us to be able to change what we sow. And because sin is... Something that every single one of us battles with. We need to take God's grace and exercise it as we deal with one another. When things come out and happen. So choose. Galatians is saying choose to become strong and do the right thing. Christ has done everything. He has positioned us above sin. He's broken the power of it. He's freed us from it. Remember when I climbed the ladder? We're to live as if we're up here, flawless. And as we do that and we focus on Christ, the other stuff drops away from our lives. But there will be a battle for every single one of us. And if we just negate the battle and let the flesh win in every situation... Destruction will come on our lives. And and we can change that. It does not have to be that way. There is no greasy grace, but there is a powerful, unstoppable grace to live and transform in Christ to become all that you were destined to be. And the Bible says, just believe it. Just believe. And even beyond believe, just begin to confess that out over your life. And watch what the Spirit of God does as we choose His leading rather than allowing the things of the flesh to be the way that we live. Are we still friends? I think this will help us incredibly in our lives. Perhaps you've never met this Jesus. You've never surrendered to his claims and responded to his offer of forgiveness and a brand new start in your life. Well, you can today. You can walk completely out of your old life. No more heaviness, no more guilt, no more shame, no more purposelessness for your life. All sin, no matter what, can be forgiven. I wonder if we can just have every head bowed as we draw to a close. You know, the Bible says that Jesus knocks on hearts. Can the music team come too? And I believe that there will be some here that he's knocking on your heart today and he's saying, what John's saying is absolutely true. I do love you. I can forgive you. I want you to know this relationship with me that will go on into eternity. And so what I want to say is if something's going off inside of you and you want to respond and give your life to Jesus or you want to just put everything right and get back in good relationship with him, just slip your hand up and I would love to pray with you to introduce you to him. Is there anyone here today that would like to do that? God bless you. God bless you. This could be the best day of your life folks. So many in the room have done this exact thing by faith, trusting, believing. And started to run down this highway in the race of life.